Well, good morning, everybody. I'm just looking around, and I can't help but take note of how good y'all look today. Fantastic. I'm glad we're in church together. This morning, I want to share a sermon with you that I'm going to entitle 180. In just a few moments, we're going to read some verses of Scripture from the New Testament book of Luke, chapter 15. But before we do, let me set the stage, okay? The Bible tells us that whenever Jesus would teach, I guess it would be a setting kind of like this, you could divide the crowd into two groups. You had the religious people. And in in this case, I guess you could call them ultra-religious or maybe even hyper-religious people. But then the other group were called sinners. As a matter of fact, the word the Bible used to describe them was notorious sinners. In other words, they had earned a reputation for their sinfulness. Everybody knew about them. They were famous for their lifestyle. And the religious people were uncomfortable that the sinners were sitting there with them listening to Jesus teach. But more so, even more so than being uncomfortable with them sitting in the room with them, they were very uncomfortable with the way that Jesus treated them. I'm sure there were times where they went up to Jesus at the close of a service and said, hey, we're all going up to Porto, why don't you go with us? And he would say, sorry, I've already made plans. And then Kevin, when the religious group would get to Porto, there was Jesus sitting at a big table with all these sinners, laughing and having a good time. And man, you talk about chapping their hide. So they started complaining about it. And Jesus recognized very quickly, I know the root of the problem here. They don't understand how God feels towards sinners. They don't get it. And so the next time they all gathered together and he was teaching, he said, I'm going to share a story to illustrate how God feels about sinners. I'm doing it for the sake of these religious guys, but I'm, I'm doing it for the sake of the sinners because I don't want them to ever think that the way these guys feel about them is the way God feels about them. So he told them a story about a lost sheep. And I believe they're all sitting there going, huh, what? So he said, well, okay, that didn't, that didn't click, that didn't go over. So then he told them the story of a lost coin. I believe maybe there was just a little bit of light going on in in their eyes. And Jesus thinking, okay, I think they're finally starting to get it. And so the Bible said he told them a third story to further illustrate the point that he was trying to make. And he told them the story of a lost son. Jesus said there was a, a man that had two boys. I'll tell you this about the man. The man he was talking about was a good man. That's a a really radical understatement. He was a godly man. And he was very well-to-do. He was a man of means. He had land. He had livestock. He had servants. He had money. The Bible said one day the younger of his two sons came to him and said, Dad, I've grown impatient waiting on you to die. I want my inheritance now. 
you may ask, was that a typical request on the part of, of a child? No. It was very out of the ordinary. As a matter of fact, it was an insult. You know what he's saying? I'd rather have what you have than to have you. So, give me some money. Now, if you were the dad, how would you have responded? Huh? You know what his dad did? He obviously brought in an appraiser and said, I need you to tell me what half of everything I've got is worth. What's half of it worth? And when he determined what it was, he wrote the kid a check. Said, here you go. It had to be a small fortune. I'm telling you, it had to be a lot of money. So the kid must have gone, cashed the check. Now, once you look with me in chapter number 15, verse number 13, what he did. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings. Oh, he had a plan all along, he had an idea. He packed all his belongings and moved to a you see that word? Because it's a key word, distant land. And there he wasted, you see this? Another key word. All his money in wild living. Now we're getting the picture as to why he wanted the money now. He was tired of living in daddy's house. Must have grown weary of having to live by daddy's rules. And he had it in his mind, if I could get away from the old man and let my hair down and, and sow some wild oats, life would just be so much better. But I can't do that without somebody to finance this. So he went to his dad and said, I need the money. He got the money, packed his things, and he moved. Not just to the neighboring county. I'm telling you, this kid couldn't get far enough away from his father. He moved to a distant land. And apparently, immediately... He began to sow those wild oats. I, he entered into what must have been a perpetual party. And he financed all the parties. Money. Money. He spent a lot of money on prostitutes. I imagine there was drunkenness. But he eventually came to the end of the money. There had to be a night in a bar where the... The bartender said, okay, it's time to settle up. He reached in his wallet, opens it up. Whoa, Trent, gone. Everything was gone. He spent a fortune on sin. A fortune. Now, the Bible said, as you talk about a, a, a turn of bad luck, about the time the money ran out, a famine set in. Food was scarce. And he began to starve. That's the word the Bible used. Star. So he found a Gentile farmer and persuaded him to give him a job on the farm. You say, what did he do? Was he kind of like a mechanic on the tractors? And, you know, was he a carpenter and, and built barns? Was he a veterinarian? What did he do? I tell you, he fed pigs. Is the lowest entry level position on the farm. Uh, he fed pigs. And the Bible said that when he would take the pigs their food, which in this case was some kind of a seed pod, which 
couldn't be digested by a human being, that he, he would dump out these seed pods and he would think to himself, man, I just wish that that was edible. Because if it were, I'd eat it. You know where he was? He was on rock bottom. Couldn't get any lower. A Jew working for a Gentile farmer. A Jew feeding pigs. He had no money, and the Bible said none of his good time buddies were willing to do anything for him. He was all alone and broke and destitute. I'm going to be honest with you. Rock bottom ain't a bad place to be. You know, it's not altogether a bad place to be. I want you to look at what happened to him. When he hit rock bottom, it, it kind of jolted him to reality, back to his senses. senses. Look at verse 17. It said, when he finally came to his senses, isn't that amazing? He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants had food enough to spare. They had leftovers. And here I am dying of hunger. You know what he's realizing? My plan didn't work. Nothing worked out the way that I thought it would. My decision to leave dad, leave his household, was a bad decision. I made a bad, bad decision and a costly decision. But look at what he said. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have, here's the key word, sinned against both heaven and you. In other words, I've committed these sins against God and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired hand. So he has an idea, Scott. I'm going home. Life under daddy's roof was a whole lot better than the life that I have created for myself. I'm going back to the house. He rehearsed it. I'm going to go back and say, look, Dad, here's the deal. I know that I've really screwed things up with you and, I, and with God, and, and I, I, I'm not worthy to be one of your children to come back in. But here, if you would just take me on as a hired hand. So he rehearsed all that. And then the Bible said he went home to his dad. Now, he was a long way off, right? So this trip, this journey had to take some time. But eventually he makes it back to his dad's farm. And the Bible said that while he was still a long way off, his daddy saw him coming. How do you think his daddy responded? He said, you did this? I knew it. I knew it, boy. I knew it the day you stepped off of this property. I knew you'd make a mess of your life. How do you think how do you think the father responded? You know what the Bible said? Before the boy could get to him, this old man jumped up and began to run to his son. He couldn't welcome him back quickly enough. Why? The Bible said he was filled with love and compassion. He ran to the boy and he just tackled him, he embraced him, and he kissed him. And of course, the boy begins to go over this rehearsed. Now, Dad, I've sinned against God, I've sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I just, if you could just hire. And listen, his dad just kind of cuts him off mid sentence and he starts yelling at some of his servants. He said, Hey, go get my boy a ring to put on his finger. And you know what? That was probably a signet ring, which means he's not being hired as a servant, he's being restored to the family. It's my son. Get him a robe. Get him sandals for his feet. Apparently, he didn't even come back with shoes. 
And he said, that calf we've been fattening up for a special occasion, I can't think of an occasion more special than this. I thought my son was gone and now he's back. Let's party, the old man said. And party they did. Now the older son was out in the fields working. And when he came home, he heard music coming from the house. I'll be honest with you, the house was a rockin'. He goes to one of the servants and says, What's daddy doing? <laughs> huh? The servant said, You haven't heard? Your brother came home today. I mean, they've got the grill. They're, you know, fired up. They're grilling steaks. They, the band showed up. Man, we're, they're partying. You know, how, you know how the older son felt about that? Made him mad. He wouldn't go in. Somebody told his dad, said, he's home, but he's, whoo, is he in a foul mood? He's not coming in. The dad went out to talk to him. He said, what's wrong? He said, I have always done everything you've asked, and you've never so much as given me a goat so that my friends and I could party. Not even a goat. You know what his daddy said? Everything I got's yours. Look around you, son. Every square foot of land, the house, the barns, the tractors, the livestock, the money, the furniture, everything. You hear me? Everything I've got is yours. However, my thought, my son was gone for good, and he is not. He's home for good, and I am going to celebrate. Now, what do we learn in this story? Two quick lessons. You ready? I've actually got a good word for you today. You're, you're going to wonder about it when I, when, I, when I give you the lessons. Lesson number one, people make bad decisions. This, is, this kid, he wasn't the first human being to make a bad decision. And he wasn't the last. It's just kind of in our makeup as human beings that we are prone to make bad decisions. And I'm talking to somebody here this morning... And you've recently made a, a bad one. Maybe you've made a string of bad decisions. Uh, you know what that means? You know what that tells you about yourself? It means you're part of the human race. Because humans, at some point or another, all make bad decisions. You know what a bad decision looks like? Any decision that you and I make that takes us a step further away from God is a bad decision. Now, I'm going to say that again. Because I'm telling you right, how to identify a bad decision. Every decision we make that puts distance between us and God is a bad decision. I don't care if it's a decision you've made about time. I don't care if it's a decision you've made about a career. I, I don't care if it's a decision you've made about money. Every decision that you make that takes you one step further away from God than you are is a bad decision. Bad decision. Because the further away from God we get, the easier it is for us to embrace a sinful lifestyle. And every time we choose sin over obedience, we have made a bad decision. People make bad decisions. Lesson number two. 
Bad decisions are costly. To finance all the parties, the prostitutes, money. Immediately, his decisions began to cost him money, money, money. He just kept making one bad decision after every bad decision cost him more money until eventually he realized my decisions have cost me everything. They cost him everything. You know where the decisions led him to? Rock bottom. I've got no friends. I've got no family. I've got no money. I've got no future. I have no hope. That's where they took him. You understand, I think we all understand this, bad decisions are costly. They'll cost us peace, they cost us joy, they cost us relationships, they cost us closeness with God, they cost us reputations, they cost us trust. Bad decisions are costly. And the more bad decisions we make, the higher the price we pay. And if we're not careful, our decisions take us to a place where we bottom out in life. Now here's where I'm at. I probably didn't tell you anything you didn't already know. People make bad decisions. Bad decisions are costly. Now, let's make it personal. I'm talking to somebody in this room who is right where this kid was. I mean, you're right here. You've made some bad choices. You've made some bad decisions. Your life is moving in the wrong direction. And I tell you what, I don't have to point you. I don't have to call you by name. You know exactly, oh, my God, this sermon is ringing my bell. I'm already paying a price for the decisions I've made. I'm distant from God. I'm as far from, maybe you're thinking, I'm as far from God maybe as I've ever been. Certainly further away from God than I'm comfortable with. And I'm terrified about where the road is taking me with the price that's already been extracted on me for what I've done. If I'm talking to you, can I give you a piece of advice? This is what, if, if I'm talking to you, this is what I would do. I'd do a 180. I'd do a 180. That's exactly what this kid did. The Bible said in, in verse number 20, so he went home to his father. You know what? He had been moving further and further and further, going in this direction away from God. And I tell you what, at the hog lot one day, he turned, he did a 180, and he started back in God's direction. And that's exactly what I would recommend that you do. I'd do a 180, and I'd get back to God as quickly as I could get back to him. Don't let the losses pile up anymore. Get back to him as quickly as you possibly can. You say, why should I do that, Ronnie? If I do, is God going to help me recover everything I've lost? I'm not sure that he will do that. He might. He did, you know what? This kid didn't recover any of it. The father made a point. I ain't, I'm not splitting the estate again. I gave you your cut. You squandered your cut. Sometimes, guys, I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you a piece of bad news. Sometimes, even though we're forgiven for the bad choices and the bad decisions we've made, 
the consequences are irreparable. The damage is done and the price is paid and cannot be retrieved. So here's what I'm saying. Stop on a dime where you are. If you find yourself moving away from God, I would stop on a dime and I would turn immediately and I'd make my way back to him. You say, Ronnie, give me a good reason because life with the Father is always better than life without him. Life close to God is a whole lot better than a life distant from God. That's the reason I'd get back. You say, if I just knew that he would help me recover everything. Well, he may not. But I would rather place my future squarely in his hands and say, you take it from here than take it any further on my own. You say, "How, how do you do that? I guess I'd sum it up by just saying this, honesty. You've got to be honest with yourself and go, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like where I'm at spiritually. I don't like where I'm at in my relationship with God. I don't like where I'm at in life. I don't like the, the, the price that I'm having to pay. I don't like any of this. But I am responsible for it. I made the decisions. And they've proven to be bad ones. You've got to be honest with yourself. And then you've got to be honest with God. I like what this kid did the minute he ran up on his dad. He said, got to be honest with you. I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not. He was honest with God. And he was reconciled. Now I believe that's all it takes. So I'm going to ask you something. I ask you to everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. Everybody. Let's make a private spot right here for just a, just a minute or two. Private spot.